Welcome to the Social Mission Revolution. Each week we explore some of the greatest undertold stories of businesses and everyday people who are making their ultimate impact on the world through social mission. They share their stories, their inspirations, their successes and heartaches on the way to making that difference that we all long to make. This is Social Mission Revolution and this is your host, Andrea Putting. Today my guest is Oksana Samkova. And she is from the originates from the Ukraine and has been traveling since she's been since she was 20 and has had a lot of experiences in the different ways that people treat each other, I would say, because we come from different ethnic groups and we learn all these different things and somehow we try to mix it all together. But she's been living in Australia for five years as a, and works as a registered nurse. So she's got some pretty exciting stories to share with us today, I am sure. So welcome, Oksana. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Andrea. I'm so happy to be on your coffee and chocolate break, as I do. I'm very happy to see you again, even online. Beautiful. Yes. That's and it would be lovely if we could sit down together, but right. it will happen. I'm, yeah, I'm a positive yeah, optimist. <laughs> Positivity <laughs> number one. Yes. And of course, it's chocolate and coffee break. So, have you got some hmm. chocolate with you today? Oh, yes. I've got chocolate. Awesome. So, is that one of your favorites? At uh, well, it's one of my favorites. I do love dark chocolate. So, I always love the darkest, the better. But sometimes I like a little bit of flavor in it. So, oh, you've got this the one, orange. Yeah, I just fancied a bit of orange in this dark um, chocolate today. So, beautiful. Hmm. Very nice. And oh. I have completely opposite oh. white chocolate today. Yeah. And this is berries and cream. Oh, no, yum. I quite like white chocolate. Are you quite it. a sweet tooth? Mm, not too much, actually. Okay. Surprisingly. But this is beautiful one from the Ministry of Chocolate. And wow. So good. They have that looks delicious. That looks yeah. yummy. Yeah, I'm going to dig into this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I've got a, got a cuppa ready to, to sit and enjoy our conversation together. So I'm really looking forward to talking with you. Oh, I'm looking forward to sharing it all with you. So let's start with a question from my little conversation pack, my, my conversation okay. chocolate and oh, coffee. They look lovely. And the question I've got for you today is what gives your life meaning? Wow, that's a big one for the morning. <laughs> I better sip my coffee first. <laughs> Nurses and coffees, you know, it has to be. Yes. Um, what give me life, what give my life meaning? I would say I'm in a helping profession and I really enjoy um, to help others. This is probably number one for me. I do get a um, big, huge, massive satisfaction of being able to help someone, whether it's professionally, personally, um, 
you know, spiritually, in any other way, culturally, any other way. And I'm, and also happiness. I love everyone to be happy. So I just feel um, very positive and bring, you know, bring smiles around and just kind of, I see everyone united as all, all as one. I don't really differentiate people where they come from, uh, what country they are, what language they speak. I've learned from a very young age that we are very similar, although we, as you say, from different areas, but similarity, we just, we just one. We just like one. And I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, so you're very much on the on the page of what chocolate and coffee breaks. Is yes, that's out. right. It's that feeling of opposites are the same. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Sense. Yeah. You can and see I'm wearing my um, Ukrainian out, uh, Ukrainian vishivanka, we call it. So that's a cross-stitch um, shirt and different areas in Ukraine regions have different colours and patterns. Mm-hmm. So this one's been done. My mom did this shirt for me. So this is a enhanced cross stitch. So this is quite precious for me. Um, so we um, we also celebrate today Independence Day of Ukraine. Yes, it's been so thirty great. years, nineteen ninety. Thirty years of independence, of and Ukraine. that's that's wonderful because I also know that. 31 years ago yesterday was when the Baltic countries celebrated that had the hands across hands across the, the Baltic and Estonia has been celebrating its 31st day of year of independence again. So um, it's a special time because I have an Estonian background, which I haven't haven't evolved. That's why I'm talking about Estonia. So that is a really special time for. It's a special time for us to be talking. That's true. Uh, in fact, I grew up on in, on Baltics on Baltic Sea, uh, in the little uh, small place um, of. Russian Federation at the time because I grew up when the Soviet Union was still um, as one and of course the Baltic countries were still part of Soviet Union Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia and I lived and I was born and lived in uh, near Kaliningrad which used to be German um, town Königsberg but um, Mm -hmm. it's been taken over by um, by Soviets um, so that's where I grew up on the Baltics until from when I was born up to 12 years old. So I'm very much used to that weather and, you know, being, yeah. you know, I, I remember always raining and like gray skies. So that's quite normal for me. It was. Um, and also I know I've got some, my great grandfather from my father's side, he's uh, Latvian roots. He's got Latvian roots. So I'm always kind of, I look a bit more like a Baltic country uh, girl <laughs> rather than Ukrainians because Ukrainians, they're a bit more dark hair, a bit more dark eyes um, if you look at. Um, but, yeah, so that's right. So that's where my life started. So my dad was a um, military officer in the Soviet Army and mm-hmm. he travelled all over the world and he settled in, um, he was posted in on the Baltics. Um, my mom was a teacher originally, but she was teacher of uh, Ukrainian language and literature. And when she met my dad and then moved to Russia, she couldn't work as a teacher anymore. 
because the main language was Russian. Yes. And everyone had to learn Russian. So she went and worked in a communist um, party as a youth worker, as an educator. So um, so that was a kind of um, very much communistic upbringing at home. But at the same time, I um, we used to go every summer, we used to go to my grandmother uh, to Ukraine for three months because in, in Russia and Ukraine those years, Children, even now, children have three months holiday from school. Uh, so mm. they end school in May and they go back to September. So what you do with those children for three months, God help, <laughs> with poor parents. Yeah. Um, so everyone was uh, sending kids to, you know, the, the, to grandparents. So everyone would have, you know, who's lucky to have grandparents or summer camps or anything like that. So we were lucky to go to my grandma and granddad who had a farm in Ukraine, and we had absolutely beautiful summers for grandchildren every summer there, and we experienced um, country life in Ukraine, looking after animals, helping with crops, doing all the works we need to do on the farm, and then go back and live um, in the city for the rest of the year. So that was always a bit of mixture of both, yes. and absolutely loved it. And from young age, I heard different um, I've seen different cultures. My grandma, um, because during Soviet Union, uh, religion was not um, embraced. That mm-hmm. they were denying religion because Communist Party was the religion, <laughs> really. Yeah, I mean, so- they don't call it that, but you yeah. know. Yeah. As I say, uh, so I was all very much a Karl Marx, Engels, and Lenin in in this, you know, being taught at school and then I go to grandma and she's got um you know icons of God in, in, the, in the corner and she's praying so yeah, what? a bit of both like yeah so my my grandma was also uh she was like a natural healer as well so she was collecting all the herbs she was doing different potions like you know to help people with with the tummy aches or he- headaches or things and I think she was looking back now she's probably was I see it now like a healing energy like Reiki, but she was she wasn't calling it Reiki. She was just doing her own whatever natural healing thing. So that's yes. what I was experiencing from one extreme to another. So that was my upbringing. Um, so that was that. So uh, I lived in on Baltics up to up to year, I was twelve, and then my dad was posted to Mongolia uh, as a with with the army. Um, so we followed him to Mongolia. So I lived in in the middle of, you know, it was a military um, a little compound with the schools and the post office and club and for the families of military families. And so we lived there for two years. Um, and it was very different because then for the first time, I suppose I met people who are looking different than me, you know, in a different um ethnic background, different culture, completely different culture, different language. And it fascinated me. It's really fascinated me because we were very different, but at the same time we had children, uh, Mongolian children at school, at our class, who were learning Russian, and we could just converse and have a normal conversation with them and, you know, just learning about each other's backgrounds, which was interesting for me. So I'm like, okay, we're just kids, you know, we're just at school and, we didn't really, to me, I never looked at them different. Yeah. Because 
once you pass that initial, um, okay, you look different, but <laughs> you're very acceptable to, you know, probably curious. What, oh, so what? what's your life like? What do you do? So it's, for me, it was always interesting. Yeah, and, um, and I find that that's part of the thing with um, with children. If they're just in this setting and they're able to just enjoy each other's company, then they're just going to be children. That's right. That's and right. It's, there's no bias or anything against the other child. It's just, it's just playtime. That's right. And I also I think it's a big part of it plays um, with the upbringing in the family. So um, all the prejudice and the, all, you know, controversial things comes from education. So if you hear something very, you know, let's say negative about other at home, if you feel something negative um, about other cultures, then of course it will be imprinted in your head. Mm. But luckily, my parents were very open. They were very acceptable to everyone. They treated everyone with respect and hospitality. So we've always been brought up in that environment where everyone is the same. So that's how, I suppose, that's how we've been brought up all the time. Mm. Um, and I remember we had Mongolian family came to us for dinner and, you know, lunch, and we just we just sat around we just spoke and I suppose the language was the you know we spoke the same language because Mongolians learn Russian by then and they work together so that was really interesting for me um so from young age I was started to find fascinating other cultures and other um you know countries how it is uh after Mongolia it was 1989 and everything was happening as, as you imagine. Yes. So Soviet Union was collapsing. Yep. And my dad had to choose to go back to Baltics to in, um, serve Russian army or go to Ukraine and be, serve Ukrainian army. So it was like a choice of that because Soviet <laughs> army was collapsing. Yeah, it would have been a very hard time to be in the army in, army in with the Soviets because that's right. Um, I, I know the stories, so yeah, yeah. So that's right. So my dad, uh, my mom and dad decided to go to Ukraine and settle in Ukraine because we had better connections, family relation connections there, um, and that's how I ended up in Ukraine. So I was I came to Ukraine in 1989, and I was coming to my 15, being 15 like 14, 15 by then. Um, so that was um, that was quite, quite good. I mean, I find lots of, because I've changed lots of schools, I find it easy to blend in with everyone because I just be myself. That's how I always find, you know, I, through school, you just, you know, be yourself and you always find someone who is similar in interests and similar character to you. I never strive to be, you know, one of the top girls in the class or I was just a normal girl you know, in school and, um, you know, I played music and uh, what else? I, I was, um, yeah, I loved I loved all the artsy stuff and I wasn't very sporty at all. So I suppose it wasn't kind of um, sport wasn't for me, um, like catching up, you know, like a team sport. But I always enjoyed uh, people. Um, yeah, so from Ukraine to so Ukraine, I was, um, I've was i decided I wanted to be a doctor. 
Mm-hmm. And those years, um, you couldn't, um, well, it was quite difficult to get in a university because you had to have a top score to get into uni. Yeah. Um, and what happened, one of the entry exams was Ukrainian language. Oh, no. <laughs> I was there just for a year. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, I don't, I do, I know how to speak Ukrainian, but I never actually, grammatically, I never learned it. Although I can read, but if you have to do dictations or anything like that. So uh, my entry exams, I didn't get enough points on Ukrainians for, to entry free university. And I had an option of, a, they've only just started introducing a pay option. And my family didn't have money by then because it was all kind of happening and, you know, inflation and, you know, all the savings went uh, poff and people were saving all years. And then suddenly it's all was worth of a loaf of bread. Literally, it was a loaf of bread. Um, But I never, I never expected anything from my parents really, because they've given me my upbringing, education, and I, I never expected them to give me anything. So I was brought up like, you have to just do it yourself. You know, they will help you on the way. Um, so I've decided to to go overseas because it was only um, only then they've started opening the borders and everyone started going somewhere. Yes. Yes. So I've heard we're, that we're allowed to leave. Like that's right. You were not allowed like to leave. So right West, <laughs> yeah, the Western. I was brought up. The West was bad. Everything yeah. was bad from the West. Um, so kind of like I hear one stories and then, you know, I'm being in a different country. So it's a lot of, lot of controversial things going on. But to me as growing up, I just took, took it as it comes really. Um, so I've decided to go to, um, it was a group of doctors and nurses going to Africa, to North Africa, to Libya. Um, and they were going to work there and earn money. And I thought, well, what a great idea. I can go and earn money and come back and go to university. Mm-hmm. So that's how I decided, that was my idea. And I had to work as an, I went to, um, well, I missed that. I actually went to nursing college first before I went yeah. to university because I thought, okay, if I'm a nurse, it would be easier to get into medical university. It was just kind of that flowing thing going. So I thought, okay, so I'll work as a nurse for a couple of years and then go and earn some money and then come back and do university, you know, being doctor. Um, so I left and I went, I uh, worked in a desert, in African desert for a year. Wow. <laughs> I know, I know. I was 20. I was 20. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, I have to say thank you to my parents because they let me go. I was very determined. Yeah. And they knew if I wanted to do something, I will be doing it. So they were very supportive of me. And I remember my mom saying to me, um, you know, her parents let her go and explore and leave different countries. And she would do exactly the same for her children because she knows this is opening your world, opening opportunities. Um, so very much, you know, she gave me blessing. And they just trusted me that uh, is everything going to be fine. Well, <laughs> well, I thought I'll go for a year and earn money and come back, but it didn't work like that because um, there was always a catch and the money was not as what promised. And I was very naive going, being 20-year-old in the Arabic world. Uh, what was that like? <sighs> well... It was tough. I have to say the first year was very tough to be there. 
because that's probably the first time I've experienced that my own people, my own country people, not necessarily your best friends. Mm-hmm. This is really, really interesting. That's probably the first time it hit me because I remember it was 30 of us, 30 people, 30 nurses and doctors. And um, I, I was quite excited saying, oh, we're all together, you know, we'll kind yeah. of you know, work. And someone who already been there and they were returning back, they said to me, you watch this, you, you're going to step down from that airplane and you'll forget these people are your country people. I can't be true. I did not believe it until I seen it for myself. So what I found is, um, I don't know why, but for some reason, people got a little bit, uh, how to say, they got defensive into themselves and they were very much for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a more like, oh, we're a group and we're sticking together. That's, I found it really unsettling and I couldn't understand why but perhaps they never lived somewhere else and maybe they were threatened by the situation around maybe they wanted Mm -hmm. to like maybe they thought it was a competition or anything like that so we were giving a job we were living uh, on the hospital side but we were in the middle of really in the middle of the desert it was a little oasis city uh, town Um, it was on the border of Algeria and Tunisia and to you kind of were imprisoned in that town because to leave the town you needed permission to leave the country you needed a permission <clears throat> when you would leave the hospital you will know there's someone following you like a guards walking behind you seeing where you're going um so you're very much watched all the time so although you you haven't been told this but you are feeling that pressure and also you're thinking, well, if something happens, because those days you didn't even have mobile phones or anything like that. So I I had to go every week. I would go to the post office and um, we had an arrangement with my mum and dad that I will phone them on Sunday yep. um, and I'll give the number to the post office and they'll call, you know, um, booth three, whatever, and you pick the number and then you, you just pick. And of course, I never told them about how difficult it is because I didn't want to. I didn't want them to worry about me. Um, but it was very tough. It was very tough, and also, I didn't realize I was the youngest there and mm. pretty looking. You know, blonde, blue eyed, and I think I had a I had very unpleasant experience where. Um, the manager of the hospital was uh, probably thought that I didn't come there for work and <laughs> was trying to employ me to some to do something else, which I wasn't happy to do. So that was kind of it was big hurdles to me, and I think I've had to I had to fight for myself really, not physically but mentally, to stand my grounds and um, just to be strong and know that that's where I found my core values and what's true to me. And you have to just follow what's right for you because I knew that I could not do something which people ask me to do. I'm not happy to. So I had to stand my grounds and I had no fear as a young person. I had no fear. My dad was a military officer as well. So I wasn't really scared of any shouting at me or threatening me. I, I think I was very, very strong then but yeah, it was it was hard. It was hard, and um, 
after three months battling through, um, you know, not complying to what I was asked to do, I've been sent away to a different place, away yeah. from my group, mm-hmm. just as a punishment to another hospital, yeah. which was actually a blessing in disguise. <laughs> um, but what I found with my own people there, um, they, when I shared what I was going through, they, were, they didn't understand. They didn't understand why I wouldn't comply. So I was... I was shocked because I said, well, you know, I'm not happy to do that. And they're like, why? Well, because I'm not. <laughs> so I really found that very unsettling then. Yeah. Um, and I found that not your own people from your own country, not necessarily your best friends, your best friends who um, who are on the same page as you, who thinks the same values as you. That's when I started learning about values, really, what's yeah. important to you. And so, of course, I was sent to another hospital and I had no one there who spoke my own language. And although I could understand about five or six European languages, I I was with Hungarians there, which I didn't understand any of Hungarian because I can understand Czech, Slovakian, Slovenian, Polish, Bulgarian, you know, (laughs) you name it, but not Hungarians. And I was working with them, uh, Romanians here as well. And... um, but uh, and also with Philippine uh, girls from Philippines, so I've learned to um, make friends, um, you know, from learn language. You know, I had to learn Arabic, I had to learn English because I learned German in school, so English was new for me as well. So it was a lot, a lot of to take on, and it did it did give me a huge, massive life lesson in one year. It was almost like a, yeah. Lifetimes of it is, but I what I found through that I found that um, no matter what country people are from, um, you find um, connection, and you cannot explain why that connection is. But I think you have similar values, similar similar interests, you know, similar um, maybe you know visions or missions, as you say. So yeah. it's kind of just treating everyone with respect and the same. And I think that's when you come find your good friends there and you help each other and be open-hearted and, you know, just be true to yourself. So after that, my ordeal after a year, you know, I've realized that it's going to be a long way until I earn money for university. <laughs> so I've decided just to uh, probably gonna, maybe I will be a very good nurse instead of a doctor and it will open opportunity for me to go somewhere in different countries. And I kind of remember so after a year, I've changed the hospital and I went to work in the capital, um, Tripoli, capital yep. of Libya. And that was a bit more open. You know, we, you know, started um, getting more friends from just expats. So it's just the foreigners as well, but also with the local people who worked in the hospital. So we had um, good communication and, and treated everyone the same, uh, multinational, multicultural. So you just have to respect everyone's cultures and you just do your own thing. And um, so that was quite interesting. And I believe that's when I met some Australian teachers where who actually influenced me to they were so lovely and very friendly and open and just happy and talking about Australia. And I thought, what a beautiful country. I would love to go and live there. And I think that's planted a seed in my head to go to Australia. So that's where it all started. Yeah. But of course, on your 
life journey, you know, not always everything works as you plan because I met, um, there's always, I said, there's always man involved in migrations. <laughs> <laughs> That's my kind of joke because I met an English guy in uh, Libya. Mm-hmm. We're together for a couple of years and then we decided that we're going to go to England instead you know, England, because yeah. I wanted to go to Australia, but he's like, oh, you know, I'm from England. So, okay, let's go to England. Oh, yeah, England, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm like, I didn't want to go to England. What, nothing attracted me in England because it's rainy. It's, you know, I, I just expected them all walking in there, you know, in <laughs> in like Sherlock Holmes kind of type, you know, with a kid. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Um, so I went to England, um, again, working as a nurse. And my English boyfriend at the time, he decided to stay behind. <laughs> and he didn't come with me. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was interesting. Like, okay, so I'm in England now. You've made me go to England and you're not even here? <laughs> that's right, that's right. So it changed his mind and I thought, well, now I'm going to Australia. So I thought, oh, you know, I'll stay here for a year and then we'll go to Australia. Um, and, again, another Englishman was in my way. <laughs> which I married to and had two beautiful sons and we lived there for 15 years. And after 15 years, um, well, probably 12, 13 years, we've decided together to come to migrate to Australia because my husband knew that I wanted to uh, go to Australia a long time ago and we decided to make uh, changes and we... um, we migrated to Australia. So, um, and that's how I ended up here. Mm. And again, um, this, I wanted to come to Australia for almost 20 years. Yes. And when I got here, I just remember that feeling that I'm home. This is so crazy because I will. I never was in Australia. I've never been to Australia. I never visited or never lived in there. But the minute I stepped on this land, I just felt I belong here. Mm-hmm. This is. I don't know how I can explain it. And if anyone ever felt like that, that's how I felt. When I lived in England, I loved England and I had lots of friends and relatives of my husband there and I really enjoyed it, but I never felt at home there. Yeah. So for me, I'm, I'm really, really happy when I when I got here. So my for me personally, um, um, I love people around here who are very friendly and they're kind of, you know, always family orientated, you know, very close community. Um, it's just, I don't know, I just got really, really good feeling about all this. Um, so unfortunately, life never works as you plan. No. Or fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, things happen. And about a year and a half, yeah, about 18 months ago, we I have separated from my husband. Um, he's still here. So we both decided to stay in Australia um, because we love it here. And um, it was a very, very difficult time, I have to say, to be, um, you know, living by, by myself with children. Uh, we share children, but um, that way I found that um, you rely on your friends a lot and you know who your friends are um, as well. 
um, they're very close and they're always, you know, happy to help and when you're in, in distress. Um, mm. So that's, that's beautiful. But how I find, I found, regardless of what culture or what country people from or what language they speak, I just, it just takes me back to Libya again, to the desert, where I remember one of my first weeks in the hospital. And I, I remember this Arabic nurses sitting there with us and they don't speak English. Yeah. We don't speak Arabic. So we just sit there and we literally had to learn from each other. How to communicate with each other. Communicate. So it was until you, you know, exceed all your, you know, sign language and everything else, they would start drawing pictures and movements. And it was just fascinating because it was fascinating, but we had the connection. We didn't speak the same language, but we had a connection. And that's interesting. You know, it's, I think it's willingness of exploring what other culture is like and accepting they are for who they are. Yeah. And of course, being in so different countries and cultures is, I found I was always a bit accommodating into the country I was leaving. Mm -hmm. So I have to say in, in England, I was connected to my own, um, to people who speak my own language, but I was very accommodating. It's just the way how my relationship was working that I was very accommodating to the English ways. And at the end of the day, when I've, um, I've separated, became by living by myself, I kind of felt like I, I lost a little bit of my authenticity. So I was just trying to embrace it more and look in and find within what actually really, who am I? Who am I? Yeah. Who am I? Because the usual question people asking me, <laughs> so where are you from? That's the first question whoever asks, you know, whenever yeah. I go, they'll where ask you? me, where are you from? Where's your accent from? Because my accent, obviously I've got an accent. Yeah. And where's your home? Or what would you call home? And I've been asked this question so many times. And to me, the answer would be my home is where my heart is. Yeah. Because I truly believe I've got Ukrainian roots. I'm very connected to Ukraine. That's my roots in there. Mm -hmm. But I'm so, I lived in different countries, met different people, different cultures, and I absolutely love it. And my home is my heart is because I create home where I live. So this is my, um, you know, my authentic self, um, always my hospitality, my kindness to people, treat them as equal. That's my yeah. life uh, motto, I would say. You know, I meet someone and I'm fascinated where they come from, what they do, you know, because I know how difficult it is um, can be in a different country and, you know, experience all this. So I do feel, I do understand how it feels. Yeah. And I've got really good friends who I met through my working career and we're still friends for like over 20 years and we don't see each other even, well, my best friend, I haven't seen her for five years now. Um, but we always communicate thanks to social media. Yes. And it's beautiful because 
you know, you um, you always have connection with my um, Ukrainian relatives as well and everything else. And I love mix, mixing things. Like yeah. I will have some Ukrainian stuff. I'll have some other culture stuff. So wherever I go, I will collect things that interest me and mix and match it as well. So that's probably, um, yeah. So looking into happiness, how to find happiness. I think happiness is within. Yes. Happiness is within. And I often, I often find people who came long time ago over from overseas and they live in a different country, they try to recreate their own country in there. Yeah. But it's not always works because you have to blend it and you, you can't really live with those rules where you used to live 50 years ago. It's everything evolves, everything evolves. And we're all, uh, let's say, children of universe and we're all migrants yeah. the world migrants because we're migrating all the time we all come from somewhere yes. we have connections from different countries and different cultures and we're all mixed um you know mixed yes. together so yes. i just see we're very very similar um you know i treat everyone very similarly it sounds uh, to me like you you've had those experiences that are really what chocolate and coffee breaks is all about about opening up and saying to the next and when you see somebody you know that they're different you know they've got different language you know that they're from a different culture but seeing past that and to being able to understand who they are and just to treat them as as anybody else and to give them that opportunity to 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 express themselves and to be to create friendships. So, yeah, yes, so listening right. to your story has been a wonderful example to us to learn about how we can that how we we can go to other places, we can be with other people and create lasting relationships and that's really important and of so much value to us. So what is it that you're doing right now? Where where has all this journey taken you to that you see in the future? Well, so I'm still on my uh, nursing career. So I'm being nursed now for 26 years. So this is my ongoing uh, professional journey. Um, but I've recently, last year, I recently discovered this very, very passionate, amazing group of people uh, who are you part as well, Andrea, and that's how we met, um, called Speakers Institute and uh, Speakers Tribe. Uh, where it's a group of people who are passionate about making um, difference and um, positive changes and also bringing their idea and helping others with what they come through. I've stumbled across by chance and I've met all these wonderful, beautiful people who've got their stories and I'm always fascinated by stories because mm -hmm. through my life, I love these stories and how they overcome it and how, how they use it through in their own life and helping others. So I'm involved in Speakers uh, Tribe and uh, I'm being a leader in Speakers Tribe now. I'm being a shadow leader by getting there. And um, my own passion um, is, of course, is to connect people 
That's my passion. Connect people and make the world better. Um, and I also am working on um, my own personal idea, which not idea, but something I've experienced as being a nurse, um, where nurses are experience a lot of exposure to others' suffering and others' trauma yeah. through their work, and it affects our personal life. Um, so I've stumbled across vicarious trauma in nursing and frontliners, and that's what I'm researching and bringing out. So I'm hoping to help others not to get caught in it and not to get burned and burned out and to recognize. And also, um, um, you know, help ourselves to, to carry on in a healthy manner helping others in a healthy manner for ourselves as well. Yeah. So this is my passion. Wonderful. Well, there is just so much value in what you're doing and you have so much to offer to the world. And I'm very grateful that you were able to come and share with me this morning and share your stories of, of living in four different continents and how that has opened your eyes to the simple fact that our opposites are the same. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. I love that, Andrea. Opposites are the same. This is so true. Yes. <laughs> so true. I love it. Absolutely love it. That's beautiful. Thank you very much for having me on your uh, on your coffee and chocolate. And I think I'm going to about to have some chocolate. Mm, me too. It's <laughs> really good. So thank you very much. And thank you, Oksana. It's been a real pleasure. And we'll be back next time with more stories from around the world. This has been the Social Mission Revolution with Andrea Putting. Join me again next week when we'll speak to another social mission revolutionist who will inspire you on your journey to making your ultimate impact on the world.